they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday. This is, um, well, it's December and it's the 22nd. Christmas is fast approaching. So we're in the last uh, couple of days of Advent here. Advent, we're, we're awaiting the coming of the Lord. Um, his, his, uh, we remember his first coming. We look for him coming to us in the Holy Eucharist, and we long for his final coming. We should be praying and hastening the kingdom of the Lord through our prayers, our sacrifices, and our conformity to the will of God. So it's noon, and we will begin with the Angelus in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us. O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray, pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. We ask the angels to join us here. Sanctus, 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 Dominus, Deus Sabaoth, Pleni Suncheli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, Grant that in the same spirit we may be truly wise, endeavor to rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. So the title of today's show, Mary, Did You Know? I'm not, I don't want to pick on anyone and I don't want to denigrate the song or the songwriter. But the question is, um, yeah, Mary, did you know? What did she know? And yes, we should ponder this. We should ponder what she knew. But remember, we should always look to the scriptures to have a clue, to have a cue. What was it that she did know, that we know she knew from Holy Scriptures? So we want to talk today about this woman, the woman that God had spoken about, first of all, in Genesis, after Adam and Eve sinned, when he said to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee, Satan, and the woman, not all women, 
the woman. I will put enmity between thee and between your seed and her seed. It will crush your head while you strike at its heel. And then in the book of Revelation, we have this woman clothed with the sun who bears the Christ child. And we know that the child in the, in the book of Revelation 12 is, is definitely the Messiah. And some interpreters like to say, well, you know, uh, the, the, the woman is just the church. Well, excuse me, who gave birth to the Messiah? A specific woman, a woman whom God had chosen and prepared. Remember, when God gives us a vocation, he prepares us with the graces that we need. And we want to talk about these things. And we want to look at what Mary did know, according to the scriptures. And, and um, it doesn't, you know, does th- these songs, ideas have consequences. And so whenever we ask a question, we need to go deep into the answer. And this is why we look to scripture to have a fuller understanding. And this is what we want to try and do today is to have a fuller understanding of what Mary did know and how do we know that she knew it. So, well, what do we have? Well, in the Gospel of Luke, we have this. Luke 1.26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, full of grace. Now, just a note on that translation. Hail, full of grace. Um, first of all, this is the only biblical instance where an angel addresses someone not by their name, but by a title. He doesn't say, Hail, Mary. We say, Hail, Mary, in the prayer. When we say the Hail, Mary, we say that to remember that the... the um, The angel was greeting the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus. Hail, full of grace. So it's the only place in Scripture where um, the angel addresses someone by a title, okay, instead of a personal name. And um, the commentator here, Scott Hahn and Curtis Mitch, give us, we have two considerations. The expression, full of grace, is rooted in the Catholic tradition and traced to St. Jerome's translation of the verse in the Latin Vulgate. Although fundamentally accurate, it lacks some of the depth of the Greek original. Luke could have described her uh, with the word full of grace, pleris caritos, as he did Stephen in Acts 6.8. So in Acts 6.8, he talks about Stephen being filled with grace, pleris caritos. That's not what he says of Mary. The word he used of Mary is kekaritomene, it's, it's, it's rendering, it indicates that God had already filled Mary with grace. She's already full of grace from a previous point, making her a vessel who has been and is now filled with divine life. And then um, the alternative, um, excuse me, alternative translation of highly favored or um, favored one. Well, this moment, when the angel comes to Mary, this marks the turning point in salvation history. This marks the moment (laughs) that salvation history has been waiting for, that God had promised, the moment when God becomes man, when God enters into history. 
And so although um, highly favored one or favored one could be used to translate Kikari Tomeni, it's, it's not, there's something unparalleled going on here. And it's not really adequate. The best translation is the most exalted one. For God endowed Mary with an abundance of grace to prepare her for the vocation of divine motherhood. She is the mother of God. And to make her a sterling example of Christian holiness, Mary is the mother of God. Mothers, mother persons, not natures. Jesus has two natures. He's, he is a man. He has human nature. But he also is the son of God. He has divine nature. And he isn't a human person. He is a divine person, the second person of the Blessed Trinity who takes to himself a human nature. To become the mother of the Savior, Mary was enriched by God with gifts appropriate to her role. This is in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 490. To become the mother of the Savior, Mary is enriched by God with gifts appropriate to her role. The angel Gabriel, at the moment of the Annunciation, salutes her full of grace, kekare tomene. In fact, in order for Mary to be able to give the free assent of her faith to the announcement of her vocation, it was necessary that she be wholly born by God's grace. This is all the work of God. We glorify God. We praise him. We give him glory. We worship him. We adore him. And to denigrate Mary or to put aside her vocation or to pretend it wasn't important is to not accept what God himself has done. We praise God for what he has done. Number 491. Through the centuries, the church has become ever more aware of Mary full of grace through God was redeemed from the moment of her conception. That is what the dogma of the Immaculate Conception confesses. As Pope Pius IX proclaimed in 1854, the most blessed Virgin Mary was from the first moment of her conception by a singular grace and privilege of Almighty God and by virtue of the merits of Jesus Christ, Savior of the human race, preserved immune from all stain of original sin. We're not saying that Mary did this, or Mary earned this, or Mary... No, we're saying that God chose Mary, and because he chose her to be his mother, he prepared her. It was a singular grace. It's God who is doing this. Number 492. The splendor of an entirely unique Holiness, by which Mary is enriched from the first instant of her conception, comes wholly from Christ. She is redeemed in a more exalted fashion by reason of the merits of her son. Yes, she needed a redeemer, but she's redeemed, pre-redeemed before the moment of his conception in order to prepare for the moment of his conception. The father blessed Mary more than any other created person. In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Does that sound familiar? And chose her in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. 
The fathers of the Eastern tradition call the Mother of God, the All-Holy Panagia, and celebrate her as free from any stain of sin, as though fashioned by the Holy Spirit and formed as a new creation. By the grace of God, Mary remained free of every personal sin her whole life long. So we're not saying that Mary somehow does this herself. No, we're acknowledging what God has done. What God has done. So this is Mary. She's full of grace. And the angel comes to her and he says, Kekare tomeni. Hail, full of grace. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled. Mary is the most humble of all creatures. She knows that God is her Savior. And she acknowledges it. And she knows that nothing good comes from her, that all good comes from God, that anything she can do that is good is a gift of God, that anything she can do good, anything she can desire that is good is a gift of God, and that any good that she possibly accomplishes is accomplished by God in her and through her. So she's, she's humbled. She's not afraid of the angel, and she's, but she's troubled that he's greeting her with this greeting of, this fullness of grace. What, what do you mean? I'm, I'm just God's creature. I'm just, God is the one who is all good, all holy. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. So she knows that she's going to remain, that, that, first of all, she knows that the child is going to be the, the son of God. He's going to be the, the descendant of David who will inherit David's throne, the promised one, the one who's promised by the prophets, the prophecy of Daniel, the stone hewn out, of a, without a hand being put to it that destroys all the kingdoms and then becomes a kingdom that fills the whole world. So yes, she knows that he will reign over the house of J Jacob forever and that his kingdom will have no end. She knows that he is the son of the Most High and, and that he is the son of David and he's going to rule over the house of Jacob. So Mary asks the question, how can this be since I know not man is the original Greek actually says, since I know not man. Well, Mary, you're married. She's already betrothed. Mary has a husband. It's, it's improper to say, I have no husband. She has a husband. She's already betrothed to Joseph. It's a legal marriage. They're already married. The betrothal has already taken place. The only way to, to get out of it would be through a divorce. So the angel said to her, now this is, this is something new. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. So yes, she knows her child is the son of God because he's not conceived through natural means. He's not conceived with any human father. He has one father, God. So, 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 so in, in essence, God is revealing to her the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Mary is full of grace she has no obstacle to, there are no obstacles in her to knowing. Um, her intellect is not darkened and her will is not weakened because she doesn't have original sin, nor does she have concupiscence. So Mary is all holy 
by a singular grace from God. And the angel has just told her that her child, yes, is the Messiah, the promised one, the son of David, who will, whose reign will never end, and that he's also the son of God. And Mary's not asking because she doubts God. Mary's asking, how can I, a virgin, she's vowed her virginity to God, which by the way, because she's legally married to Joseph, on the day that they signed the marriage contract, on the day of the betrothal, she had to reveal to Joseph that she intended to remain a virgin in her marriage. And Joseph had to accept, or he could accept or reject that. If, you know, if he says nothing, he's bound to it. Um, if he rejects it, well, then, he, you know, it's like, okay, Mary either doesn't remain a virgin or she's, they, they can't get married, or he says, I accept. And Joseph accepted this, her, her vow of virginity, apparently, because they've already been betrothed. And she's telling the angel, I'm a virgin. How am I going to be a mother? How can a virgin be a mother? And this is what's new. And of course, this goes back to a prophecy, doesn't it? Isaiah is, comes to Ahaz. Ahaz, who's been unfaithful. And um, Ahaz says, ask from the Lord your God a sign. And what is it? Oh, oh, no, 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 no. I wouldn't, ask, I wouldn't dare ask God for a sign. And Isaiah looks at him and says, is it not enough for you to weary man He's already wearied Israel with his sins and leading him into sin. Must you also weary my God? Well, God himself will give you a sign. The virgin shall be with child. And yes, it could mean the young woman. But Hezekiah is, you know, the immediate, in the immediate historical context, Hezekiah is the fulfillment of the prophecy in terms of for the moment. But, but it's a, Hezekiah is a type, and he is pointing forward to the Messiah. And again, it's the most exalted translation that is the one that is the correct. So it doesn't just mean, it says a virgin. And now we know what God's intention was. We don't know it until the angel comes to tell Mary, as a virgin, you shall be a mother. You will be a mother, even though you're a virgin and you will bring forth a child by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God Almighty. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so she knows, she knows that her child is the Son of God. You know, in that, in that, that song, the title of this today's show, you know, Mary, Did You Know? Did she know all of the details of what would happen? No, she knows the prophecies, okay? And the prophecies say that the blind will see and the lame will leap and, and the, dumb will, the dumb will speak and the mute will hear. No, the mute will speak, excuse me. Dumb means also the, the deaf will hear and the mute, the dumb, will speak. So, sorry, I'm getting my words confused here. Um, so she knows that, yes, that, that there, there are going to be miracles, that her son will be able to work miracles. He's God. Emmanuel, God with us. And so, you know, and then the angel informs her that her kinswoman, Elizabeth, is now with child and is in her sixth month. And she who was barren is now with child. And for nothing is impossible to God. And Mary's response is, I am the handmaid of the Lord. 
be it done, be it to me as you have said, according to God's word, be it to me. I'm, she doesn't say, I will do God's will. She says, be it to me according to God's will. So I am God's servant and I am willing to serve him in whatever capacity he asks me to serve him. It's not up to me to decide how God uses me, what God does with my life. It's up to God to decide what he's going to do and how he is going to bring forth the works that he has already prepared. You know, God made a promise. He made a promise to Adam, to Adam and Eve that he would redeem them. And he, made a pro- he, he told the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And in, um, in the book of Revelation, we see this enmity were played out, as it were, in Revelation 12, when the serpent is there and he stands before the woman about to give birth to this child and um, to devour her child when it should be born. And is he able to do so? No, he's not. The child is caught up to the throne of God and to heaven. So he goes after the woman. And is he able to get near her? No, he's not. He spews a river out of his mouth to a flood to, to take her and overcome her. And she's given a pair of eagle's wings on which to fly away and hide. And she's able, God hides her from the devil. He's never allowed to come near her. And again, this is due to the fact that she is his mother, Mary, the mother of God. And he protects her. He protects her. He fills her with grace. And again, God prepares us for our vocation. How do we know that? Well, in the Catechism number 722, it says, the Holy Spirit prepared Mary by his grace. It was fitting that the mother of him in whom the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And that's a quote from Colossians 2.9. Christ is him in whom the full deity dwells bodily. Should herself be full of grace. She was by sheer grace conceived without sin as the most humble of creatures, the most capable of welcoming the inexpressible gift of the Almighty. It was quite correct for the angel Gabriel to greet her as daughter of Zion. Rejoice. Zephaniah 3.14, Zechariah 2.14. It is also the thanksgiving of the whole people of God and thus of the church, which Mary in her canticle, and where's her canticle? Well, in Luke, remember the Magnificat, in Luke 1, 46 through 55, and we'll talk about that. Lifts up to the Father in the Holy Spirit with, while carrying within her the eternal Son. So on behalf of the church, Mary raises up this praise. What is the first thing she does? Well, the angel tells her that her cousin Elizabeth is with child. And so Mary goes in haste into the hill country of Judea. And she enters Zechariah's house. And when she does so, when Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, the infant in her womb, in Elizabeth's womb, leaps for joy. Who is the infant in Elizabeth's womb? John the Baptist. And Zechariah has been told that his son will go before the Lord to prepare his way. 
He's, he's sent to prepare the way of the Lord. In the desert, a voice cries out, prepare ye a way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. So John already, six months in his mother's womb, leaps for joy. And Zechariah was told by the angel Gabriel that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And you can go back to Luke 1, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he will drink no wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. So John is filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And that's a quote from Numbers 6, 3, and then Luke 7, 33. You can compare for, for Luke 1, 15, for he will be great before the Lord and he shall drink no strong drink or wine and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Compare Numbers 6, 3, and then Luke 7, 3, 7, 33, excuse me. So God has prepared Mary. He has filled her with this grace. A grace that is beyond all human telling, by the way. No human being can fathom the holiness of the Blessed Virgin Mary. God made his own mother. And he is God. And because he is God, he created for himself a worthy vessel. You know, when Adam and Eve were created, they were created in the state of grace. If God created the first man and woman in the state of grace, in a state of union with himself, why would he not create his mother in such a state? Now, Adam and Eve failed, but Mary is the new Eve. She's the new Eve, the fathers of the church tell us, who will walk beside Christ and will stand with him in his sufferings. And so she is the new Eve where Adam failed, Christ doesn't fail. And where Eve failed, Mary doesn't fail. Why? Because she never takes her eyes off God. You know, Peter steps out of the boat, right, in the storm, and he starts walking on the water, and he's looking at Jesus. But what happens? He perceives the wind and the waves, and what happens? He starts to sink, and he cries out, Lord, save me. Mary never took her eyes off the Lord. She never takes her eyes off the Lord. She was free from original sin from the first moment of her conception by a singular grace of God. She remains sinless again, by a singular grace of God. She is his mother. She not only will bear him in her womb for nine months, she will nurse him at her breasts. She will carry him in her arms. She will nurture him as a little child. She will watch him grow up to manhood. And she will live with him for 30 years, a hidden life, until it is time for him to go out and make himself publicly known which he doesn't do until he's 30 years old or about 30 years old. 
So here is Mary, the Ark of the New Covenant. She is bearing the New Covenant in her womb. And she comes to the hill country of Judea. And she goes um, to the to Anne Kareem. That's where she's going. Which, by the way, um, that's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. Um, when, remember, David goes out to find the Ark. And he's bringing it back. And then he decides that, well, I'm not really worthy to have the Ark in Jerusalem. So he leaves it. At, at the house of, was it Obed-Edom? Obed-Edom? I think it was. I'm doing this from memory. So, but, and, and, and this man is tremendously blessed. The ark is there and David hears about all the blessings. But that, that house is in the hill countries of Judea where Zachary and Elizabeth live. So now it's a prefigurement of the fact that the ark of the new covenant, Mary, will bring the new covenant to the hill country of Judea. She brings salvation to Zechariah's house because she carries salvation within her womb. Not that she is salvation or the source of salvation. And that's not what we believe. And that's not what we're saying. But she comes, she, she's following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. She does what the Holy Spirit asks her to do. She follows his promptings. She never resists him in any manner, shape, or form. She's filled with grace and the Holy Spirit. So she comes and she greets Elizabeth and the child leaps in Elizabeth's womb. The child leaps in Elizabeth's womb. And when the child leaps in Elizabeth's womb, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and cries out, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then she says, but who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So again, Mary is being confirmed. You're the mother of my Lord. You're the mother of my God. For the moment your greeting sounded in my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she for her firm believing that the promises of the Lord to her would be fulfilled. And Mary responds to this. In, in a sense, it sounds like Elizabeth is praising Mary. And she is. Mary, you are blessed because you firmly believe God. You believed him in, in a way that none of us have ever believed him. You trust him in a way that none of us have ever trusted him. And what does Mary say? My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. Now, this hymn here that Mary sings in uh, Luke 1, verses 46 through 56, is an echo of Hannah's hymn. Remember Hannah, who conceived Samuel after her prayer? And she brings Samuel. And when she, when she realizes she's with child, um, it was the first reading of today's Mass. You know, the bows of the mighty are broken while the tottering gird on strength. No, it starts out, um, I'm forgetting the beginning of it, but it's in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. And Mary's echoing this song, this beautiful song of Hannah, her, her four, what do you say, her forebearer? Is that the right way to say that? 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. And, and Hannah's hymn is beautiful. It's a beautiful hymn. It says, yes, Hannah prayed. My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth 
derides my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is no holy one like the Lord. There is none besides thee. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, while the hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven sons, but she who has many children is forlorn. For the Lord kills and gives life. He brings down to Sheol and he raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. And that, that hymn goes on. And so Mary's hymn echoes that. But Mary's hymn has a little bit of a different twist to it because Mary said, yes, my, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit exalts in God my Savior. So she acknowledges that God is her Savior. She hasn't saved herself. She knows that God has saved her. For he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. She's saying, God has looked on my humility. She acknowledges her humility, but she has true humility. It's not false humility. It's not pride. And then she says, for behold, from henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. Why? Oh, because I'm so good and I'm so holy. No. What does she say in the next line? For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. She acknowledges that every grace she has is a gift from God. She takes nothing to herself. Everything is God. She points everything to God. My soul magnifies the Lord. Magnifies. You know, my soul magnifies the Lord. It's a beautiful hymn of praise and and just a recital of God's covenant faithfulness. And just... All she desired to do was glorify God. And so that's what she's saying. My very existence is glorifying God. And Paul will write in one of his letters that we're called to be a perfect praise of his glory. This is Mary. And then she goes on to say, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has shown strength in his arm and he has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remember of his promise of mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. So Mary knows. She knows that God is the Savior. She knows that God is God and she is not. She knows the prophecy. She knows Genesis she knows the prophecy of the woman, what God would put enmity between this particular woman and the devil. She knows the prophecies of Isaiah. Does she know that, you know, what will her child do? What will he be? Well, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, Isaiah 9. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined, has shone. <clears throat> For the yoke of his for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, he has broken on the day of Midian. For unto us a child is born, and to unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and the increase of his government and of peace, there, and of the, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And then in chapter 11, it said, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out from his roots and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. And he shall judge not what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but, by, by, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the girdle around his waist and faithfulness the girdle of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. This is Isaiah 11. And the shepherd and the, excuse me, the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the lion together and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall feed. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The suckling child shall play over the hole of the asp and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's lair and there shall be no hurt or destroy in all the holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord and the waters of the sea and it, I mean it goes on just that the prophecies in Isaiah Isaiah 11 Isaiah 12 Isaiah 13 and that the dumb will speak the mute, the the deaf will hear, the lame will leap like a stab, stag. And, and the good, the poor will have the good news, preached to them. So, God has prepared Mary. She knows the prophecies. She has studied the scriptures. She knows them, and she knows them much better than anyone else because she has no darkness in her. She has only the light of God. And the Holy Spirit has filled her. She has been filled with grace from the first moment of her conception. And God has prepared her at every moment for this exalted mission that she's going to have. This mission to bring to the world the Savior. That she is going to be the Ark of the Covenant. So Luke's Gospel tells us more about the mother of Jesus than any book in the New Testament. Most of this information is packed within the first two chapters where Luke strings together some of the most beautiful traditions we have about her life and mission. The deeper we delve into Luke's narrative, the more we appreciate the way in which Luke tells the story of Mary. One example is found in the story of the visitation. On one level, it tells a joyous encounter between two expectant mothers. On another, it recalls memorable stories of the Old Testament about the Ark of the Covenant. By alluding to these ancient traditions, Luke expands the vision of the careful reader considerably, for he leads us to see Mary as the Ark of God's new covenant and implies 
that the sacred ark of the old covenant merely prefigured a more wonderful ark to come, an ark of living flesh, the mother of the divine Messiah. One tradition Luke draws on is from Samuel 2. He intentionally sets up the subtle but significant parallels between Mary's visitation with Elizabeth and David's effort to bring the ark of the of the covenant to Jerusalem, narrated in Second Samuel six, when Luke tells Mary, when Luke tells us that Mary arose and went into the hill country of Judea to visit her kinswoman, he reminds us of how David arose and went into the same region centuries early to retrieve the ark. Second Samuel six two, upon Mary's arrival, Elizabeth is struck by the same sense of awe and unworthiness before Mary. Luke one forty three that David felt standing before the Ark of the Covenant, Second Samuel six nine, parallels continue as the joy surrounding the great encounter causes the infant John to leap with excitement. In Luke one forty one, much as David danced with abandon before the Ark, Second Samuel six five, finally Luke adds that Mary stayed in the house of Zechariah for three months. A historical fact. She stayed there to be a midwife for Elizabeth and to help deliver John the Baptist. Luke 1, 40 and 56. It recalls how the Ark of the Covenant was temporarily stationed in the house of Obed-Edom. It was Obed-Edom. For a waiting period of three months, 2 Samuel 6, 11, taken together, these parallels show us that Mary now assumes the role in salvation history that was once played by the Ark of the Covenant. Like the golden chest, she is a sacred vessel where the Lord's presence dwells intimately with his people. And I'm taking this from the the commentary of Scott Hahn and Curtis Mitch in the Ignatius Study Bible. And Scott and Curtis are very much rooted in the tradition of the church, the fathers of the church. They've read the fathers of the church and what the fathers of the church taught and believed. And the fathers of the church did call Mary the Ark of the New Covenant. And they also called her the New, the new Eve. And then we have um, another tradition that Luke brings out here. He draws upon the second tradition from the book of Chronicles. This time he brings into the story a highly significant expression once connected with the ark. The term shows up in Luke 1.42 where Elizabeth bursts with an exuberant cry at the arrival of Mary and her child. Although the Greek verb translated as exclaim seems ordinary enough, it's hardly ever used in the Bible. In fact, it is found only here in the entire New Testament and its presence in the Greek Old Testament is likewise sparse, appearing only five times. Why is this important? Because every time the expression is used in the Old Testament, it forms part of a story surrounding the Ark of the Covenant, of the stories surrounding the Ark of the Covenant. In particular, it refers to the melodic sounds made by the Levitical singers and the musicians when they glorify the Lord in song. It thus describes the exalting voice of instruments that were played before the ark as David carried it in procession to Jerusalem, 1 Chronicles 15:28 and 16:4-5. And as Solomon transferred the ark to its final resting place in the temple, 2 Chronicles 5:13. Alluding to these episodes, Luke connects the same expression with the melodic cry of another Levitical descendant, the aged Elizabeth, 
in Luke 1, 15. I'm serious. No, 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 no. Luke 1, 5. Wait a minute. I think that's a misprint. But let me look at Luke 1, 5. What does this say? Because, no, because Luke 5 is in the days of King Herod. That's not, it's um, Luke 1, it's, I had it here. It's actually Luke 1, when, when Elizabeth cries out, it's Luke 1, 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting and the child leaped in her womb, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, it's Luke 142. The age of Elizabeth is in Luke 142. There's a misprint here. She too lifts up her voice in liturgical praise, not before a golden chest, but before Mary. Luke's remarkable familiarity with these ancient stories enables him to select even a single word that will whisper to his readers that the young mother of the Messiah is the Ark of the New Covenant. So, but the point of all this, the point of all this is what did Mary know? Mary knew that she desired to serve the Lord her God. And that she, so she prayed daily. She studied the scriptures daily. She lived a life of holiness and complete obedience to God's holy will. She was fully filled with the Holy Spirit to the point only God himself can fathom the holiness that he gave to this woman the woman who was to be his mother. And I'm not making Mary a god or a goddess by saying this. I'm only magnifying the works of the Lord, what God has done in her. And this is what we're called to do. Mary doesn't draw the attention to herself when Elizabeth praises her. Blessed is she for her firm believing that the promises of the Lord to her would be fulfilled. And Mary turns immediately to God, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit exalts in God, my savior. And yes, all generations will call me blessed because he who is mighty has done great things for me. But she also knows the prophecies of the Messiah. She knows the works that the Lord is going to do. She knows that this is going to bring in a time of miracles in Israel, such as have never been seen because now God himself is walking among them. God has come. God has come to free his people from their sins. And again, you know, oftentimes we get caught up in the health and wealth gospel. If we follow God, he's going to bless us with blessings. And Mary also knew the prophecies of the suffering of the Messiah. You know, it's not just the beginning of Isaiah. We have these exultant prophecies of, of all the wonderful things God's going to do. You have, you know, Isaiah 53, where um, you have the prophecy of all his sufferings. And Mary knows, knows these. And as a matter of fact, Mary, you know, when she holds this child in Bethlehem, already he's born into poverty. He doesn't have a place to lay his head. He's in a manger. He's put on straw. And she knows that he is the son of God. She knows this. 
The song, Mary, Did You Know, is a beautiful song. But go deeper, go beyond the, just the surface of the song. And as the writer of the song said, and I, did, I looked it up, and I, you know, what, what, who wrote it and why, he, he, he said, as if you were sitting down and having a conversation with Mary. Mary, you held God in your arms. We know that. What did you know? And yes, she would quote to you the scriptures. Remember how Jesus on the road to Amos, and he meets his disciples on the road to Amos? And he opens the scriptures to them and shows them that the Messiah had to suffer and die in order to be glorified. Mary knows the prophecies too. She knows the Messiah. Tradition has it that Mary had wanted, she knew, they know, the Jews knew at the time that the time of fulfillment had come, the 70 weeks of Daniel are up, that it's time for the Messiah to come. And so she wanted to be the servant of the mother of the Messiah. And this is why she had vowed her virginity to God, so that she would be free to serve. But God's plan was that she would be that mother, the virgin mother of God. This is God's work. And to make anything else of it is to, to put God in second place, to tell God that he shouldn't have done it the way he did it. So we don't want to do that, but we want to go deeper than the surface of the song or any or any just pure sentimentality. We want to really go deeply with Mary. Yes, Mary, what did you know? Read the passages of scripture. Read Isaiah. Read the prophecies of what the Messiah would do, what, who the Messiah would be, the great things that he would do and the sufferings that he would endure. And my time here with you is coming to an end. So I want to thank all of our benefactors, all of our listeners, and I want you to incur I want to encourage you to please continue to share Virgin Most Powerful Radio with all your friends, your family, with everyone you know. Remind them that we have a free app on your iPhone. You can also get us on social media on Rumble and Twitter and um, the it's still on Facebook and it's still um, the Full Sheen Head channel is still on YouTube. So um, go to YouTube and and Bishop Sheen is awesome. So we have so many great programs here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for joining us. Please keep us in prayer. We love doing this work. We can't do it without your support. Thank you for supporting us, but also pray for us. Um, prayer and sacrifice. Nothing could be done without God's grace. Just as Mary proclaimed the greatness of the Lord, we want to proclaim the greatness of the Lord and thank him for all that he did. And yes, Mary knew far more than we can imagine. Thank you. Merry Christmas.